Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So this morning we continue our sermon series, Praying the Jesus Way, and we're really getting to the, the business end of the prayer as we come to the second last sermon in the series. And Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors sometimes written as, forgive us our sins as those who sin against us. And the thing is, I've been thinking about it, that there are three words in the English language when they're put together are quite easy to say. We say them quite a lot. But they are really quite difficult to put into practice. And those three words are, I love you. We find it quite easy to say, but putting that love into practice is a little bit more difficult than saying it. But equally, there are another three words that when you put them together, they're extremely difficult to put into practice and probably just as difficult to say. And those three words are, I forgive you. They are incredibly difficult to put into practice and sometimes just as difficult to say. And given the current situation in Ukraine, it might be that we find ourselves struggling to forgive the actions of the Russian government, those that are performing acts of violence, reminding us of how broken our world is. But as Christians, it's incredibly important that we understand what true forgiveness looks like. And it's interesting the way that Jesus words this. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Just like when we were looking at seeking God's kingdom here on earth and that we had a part to play in that, Jesus again inserts us into the prayer as an active player, an active player in this prayer. We're not to think that we walk around and we are perfect ourselves because we know that that's not true. We need forgiveness and we're called to forgive others. But the thing is, there's almost this assumption that if we were to continue to go around forgiving people, that God should forgive us, that there's that kind of playoff. Well, I'm going to go around forgiving people and then God will forgive us. It's not that way at all. We forgive because God has forgiven us. But the thing is, if we're, if we, if we're honest with ourselves, we realize that it's difficult to forgive people when they've hurt us, when they've done things that have made us feel pain or foolish. And the thing is, we don't always forgive. We don't always forgive people or situations. 
So we're probably glad that it doesn't work like that at all. That God doesn't forgive us in the same way that we maybe choose or choose not to forgive. Because the thing is, our debts, our sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. And we're about to enter into that period before Easter, which we call Lent. And that's an opportunity for us to reflect on what it is that we eventually celebrate at Easter Sunday. That amazing reminder that God had a rescue plan for humankind. That for each and every one of us, there's that offer of forgiveness and eternal life. All fulfilled in Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior. So forgiveness for all debts and sins, things that have been said or done that completely miss the mark. And that's what sin is. Sin is about missing the mark, that we are called to be more like Jesus each and every day, and that when we fall short, we're missing the mark. God created humankind to be perfect. But at the fall, we continued to fall far short of what God originally intended. But thankfully, our, our debts, our sins, our transgressions, whichever word you want to use, have been forgiven. And we know all that is done in Jesus' name. So as we come to our passage this morning, we're called to forgive those who have fallen short of treating us in the way that God wants us to be treated. And that because we have been forgiven, we too are called to forgive. The thing is, the fact that we have been forgiven by our Father in heaven can blow our minds. It's a very difficult thing for us to get our heads around. You know, we've just sung Amazing Grace, that free gift that God gives us. There's that thing within us that feels that we, we should be working towards receiving that gift. But again, a reminder, that first sermon series that I preached here from the, the letter of James, faith that works, it's our faith that goes to, to work. It's not that we are saved by our works, but it's through that that amazing grace that we've received from God, that we're inspired to do these good works for the kingdom. That despite things that we have done or said, they're never enough to break our relationship with God through our faith in Jesus Christ. God's love for us, each and every one of us, continues each and every day. And now we're called to act upon that and forgive others in the same way that we've been forgiven. And I always like to caveat this. To forgive someone does not justify or legitimize what has been done to you. You can forgive them, but it does not make it right what they did or said. Not at all. But what it does do is it gives you control back. It gives you control. We certainly cannot control what other people will do or say, but we can control how we react and how we move forward from those 
when we move forward, where you have been slighted, or there's something that, that you, you know you need to forgive a person for, it can be an incredibly difficult thing where we have maybe bitterness or we're carrying around that hurt as we move forward. Might be that we are struggling at this moment to forgive someone or, or something. Might be looking out into the world and seeing the numerous things that are difficult to forgive. So many things. But we've given the, we're given the opportunity to move forward, to free ourselves from those things that we maybe carry. But another factor that might come to play in making it difficult to forgive is pride. None of us wants to admit that, that we all have a bit of pride within us. And the thing is, we might be concerned or worried that there might be those in the world that if we were to forgive certain things that had been done or said to us, that we would be perceived to be a soft touch or a walkover. Nobody ever wants to be seen as a soft touch or a walkover. Everyone wants to be seen as strong and, and respected quite rightly. Nobody wants to be seen as a soft touch. But the thing is, if we follow our King, our Lord Jesus, the King of a, an upside down kingdom, we understand that we are not a walkover. When he's preaching that greatest sermon of all time that we know as the, the Beatitudes, where this list of those who will be blessed. It's the peacemakers rather than those that cause division and war who are blessed. It's the poor and lowly that inherit the kingdom rather than those who have stored up material wealth at the expense of others. This up down, upside down kingdom reminds us that, that the way that the world thinks is just different to how Jesus perceives the world and how it should be. In fact, it's more than just different. It's the complete opposite. There may well be people who will accuse us of being a walkover or a soft touch, but the thing is we are far, far from being a soft touch if we truly forgive someone as we have been forgiven. Because you're actually a lot stronger. Because believe me, it takes a lot of strength to forgive someone when they've really hurt you. You're not a walkover. It's not a, an easy thing to do. And even although it's not an easy thing to do, we are thankful that we have access to the power and the strength of God to help us with it. We don't go alone. During my academic part of my training for ministry, when you get halfway through your degree, you get to to almost tailor it in a way that will be of interest to you. There are certain subjects that you kind of have to take, but you get to tailor your degree. And I had this opportunity to choose which direction my degree went in, and I, and I chose to, to study heavily um, biblical studies, 
and practical theology. So practical theology, so how do you put into practice the, the other theological stuff that you're doing? It was wonderful. And in one of the practical theology classes, I got to spend a, an entire semester looking at the outcome of the fall of the apartheid in South Africa. I read a book by a theologian called John Paul Lederach, and he was dealing with conflict. And I was fascinated by the fact that this message and the ministry of Jesus had this huge place to play in conflict. Lederach said that we needed to move past conflict resolution, that word that gets thrown out there, we need conflict resolution. He says we need to move away from that and into this new arena called tr conflict transformation. Conflict transformation, that we become transformed out of the conflicts that we come through. Because you see, conflict resolution delivers a, 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 a set list of things that, that you will do or not do to make sure that you don't have the conflict again. And you have to stick to these, these rules that you've created. But as time goes on, those old wounds will start to pick away, pick away, and then you start to forget the list that you'd agreed to. But conflict transformation allows for a, a, a permanent solution. It's not about a list of, of rules that you have to stick to or things that you say, you say you're not going to do but a permanent solution to move forward for the better, that the pains and the bitterness that could bring us back into conflict with one another, they're no longer there. We've moved past it. And he points to some of the amazing work that was done in South Africa coming out of the apartheid. And he tells the story of there being queues and queues so long leading up to the courts where those who had performed unbelievable atrocities were being tried. And these people were standing in these queues, waiting and waiting to be able to say something to those who had killed their families, destroyed lives, their friends, basically caused life to be a misery. But these people that were standing in line They'd come through this conflict tr transformation. These people weren't standing in line waiting to speak to these people and to tear strips off them. They were standing there to forgive them. And this happened one after the other. Unbelievable. Unforgivable crimes that had been committed. But these cues and cues and people were waiting to forgive so that they could move on. And that might sound crazy, but through the amazing work of the conflict transformation, they'd tapped into something. They'd realized that something special happens when you truly forgive. It creates a freedom. It was freeing them from the pain that they were carrying around. A freedom from the struggle of carrying bitterness, which just burns away at you. That freedom is not easy to achieve. 
And it doesn't happen overnight. Because as I said, we can't control what people do or say, but we can control how we react to them. And this is why Jesus wants us to be free. There's a wonderful scripture found in Jeremiah 29. God says, for surely I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, but to give you a future with hope. A future with hope, not a future stuck in this place of pain and, and bitterness, but that you might flourish, that you might prosper. And forgiveness gives you that opportunity to be free to receive that from your heavenly father, a life where you're given this opportunity to flourish, to prosper, to live with hope. But one of the phrases that gets thrown around, and I've said it myself, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. We heard that phrase. That doesn't work at all. It's completely right that we should learn from our experiences and aim not to put ourselves into situations where we're going to be hurt or abused. But if you never truly forget something, have you really forgiven them? You're still holding on to it, still there. And it's obviously important to learn from situations, but it should never hold you in that place that causes you never to trust again or to stop you from standing up for, for what's right. During Jesus' last week on earth, we know that he certainly stood up for what was right. We're able to read in Matthew chapter 21, right after the triumphal entry, where it says Jesus entered the temple drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. That's righteous anger. And it's important that we see the difference. We must also never forget that Jesus also asks his father, our father, to forgive them when he is on the cross. What he has gone through it would have been easy for him to hold on to the pain and the bitterness, but he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they have done. Jesus is reminding us that it is not for us to be the judge in any situation. There's only one who can judge, and that is God. We have the responsibility for our own lives and how we act as we seek to be better disciples of our Lord Jesus. And if we hold on to things and how we've been treated in the past, we can never get to that place of true forgiveness. We never get the chance to move forward. We aren't able to receive that life that is offered to us, as we read in Jeremiah a life where we can flourish and prosper in the Lord. And the thing is, it might take us longer than others. Some people clearly have a longer fuse than others. 
But when we take our eyes away from Jesus, we all end up in that place where we strike back when we're wronged. We fail to forgive as we have been forgiven. It becomes like a game of tennis, you know, an eye for an eye. We're not prospering and we're certainly not flourishing. We're getting stuck in that place. And this stuff is really, really hard. And that's why prayer is so important. You know, our weekly prayer meeting is so life-giving to me. As I spend time with, with others, praying what is in our hearts, where we know that spending time with God, speaking with God, it strengthens us, it encourages us, and it brings us to that place of peace. And as I was, as I was preparing for this week, and I was choosing the hymns, I couldn't get the, the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, out of my head, because it has that line in there. It has that line that says, Take it to the Lord in prayer. That when we're struggling, we can take things to the Lord in prayer. There will always be struggles with forgiveness. And believe me, there are a lot of things that are in our world that are very difficult to forgive. But remember, when we forgive others as we have been forgiven, it is not about saying that it's okay what has happened to us, that it's okay what that person has done. That is not what it's about. It's not about legitimizing their actions or words. What we're doing is we're freeing ourselves from holding on to that pain and that bitterness. We need to go to God in prayer and seek strength and comfort and seek peace in those situations that we find ourselves in. And please do not leave church this morning if you're struggling with this stuff. Do not leave the church this morning. Stick around and someone will pray with you. You do not have to do it alone. In fact, right now, we'll just take a moment to to share our struggles with God in the silence. That he would give us strength and encouragement, the courage to be able to say, I forgive this person or, or that situation. That you want to move forward, transformed. So just asking the Lord to give you freedom. Forgiveness isn't about being a walkover or a soft touch. It takes a lot of strength to forgive, to rise above, and to be set free from the pain and bitterness that might be bubbling up inside.
One of my favorite scriptures is John 8.32. And you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. When Jesus included this line about forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer, it is because he wants you to be free. Not in a place where you're unable to move forward because you're stuck in a place of pain and bitterness because you've been hurt. Jesus reminds us that in spite of everything, we have been forgiven. In spite of anything that we have done, we have been forgiven. And that God's love continues for us each and every day. As we, who hallow the, the Father's name, who thank him for providing for our needs and who are called to usher in and bring in more of the kingdom into our world, we too need to forgive others in the way that we have been forgiven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you forgive us. We thank you that no matter what we've said or done, your love has no boundaries. We thank you for Jesus, for his example, but also for his sacrifice that ensured that our debt was paid. And Father, as we go into this week, we seek your strength, your courage, and the encouragement to forgive others in the way that we have been forgiven ourselves. Go with us this week into our situations. You know all the situations of your children. You know what to provide us with that will help us. Help us to let go of guilt or bitterness or pain. That we might get to that place of true freedom. A place of hope. To truly say, I forgive that person or that situation. And that that will allow us to prosper in those plans that you have for each one of us. All this we ask in the name of our Savior, our precious and mighty Savior Jesus. Amen.